We're going to be today in Joshua chapter 1, and we're also going to be in Joshua chapter 24. You can download our notes. In fact, uh, if you can find this chapter or 25 in Joshua, you do great. There's a little typo on a verse there. But I want to look at Joshua 1 and then Joshua 24. And let's remember uh, each and every week that we remember kind of our theme this year is Jesus' words that whatever you do, you're doing it unto me. Right? You're doing it unto me. I read a story, there was a man that was shopping at a grocery store. I think a lot of us probably had this very uh, similar instance. He noticed a lady that had her two-year-old in the cart. The child asked for cookies, but the mother said, no. The little girl began to cry loudly. Anybody ever been in a store and that begins to happen? The mother patiently said, now, Missy, we're halfway done. It won't be long. The same thing happened down the candy aisle. This time the little girl kicked and screamed and the mother said, there, there, Missy, only two more aisles and we'll be all done. At the checkout counter, I've seen this happen before, the child reached for the candy bar. But when the mom saw that, she began uh, to say, no, no, right? No, Missy, no, Missy, we're almost done. The child began to scream louder. And the mother finally patiently said, we're almost through the checkout line, right? Just hang on, Missy. Just hang on, Missy. We'll be at the car. We'll go home. We'll take a long nap. Well, there was a man that had been watching this the entire time. And he followed her out to the car. And he wanted to compliment her for her patience, right? For her heart towards her child. And he says, I just couldn't stop noticing how patient you were with little Missy. The mother replied and she says, my little girl's name's Francine. I'm Missy. <laughs> now, maybe this afternoon about 4.13, you'll get it, right? She was the one. Title today, As For Me. We're going to read that in just a minute in Joshua 24. Point at yourself really quick. As for me. As for me. Joshua chapter one and let me read verses uh, eight through nine. In fact, if you if you go back up, you'll read where God began to speak to Joshua and he kept saying really these two words, be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. But we pick this up in verse eight and nine. God tells him this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, everybody say for then. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, we thank you for your words to us. This truly is God-breathed. Lord, we pray that these scriptures speak deep into our hearts, our spirits, our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As for me. So Joshua is now going to have to lead this children of Israel after Moses. Moses is not allowed to get in the promised land. 
Joshua, if you've never read through, Joshua was born in Egypt as a slave. Right? He's, he's a slave. He's an eyewitness to all the ten plagues. He's part of the group that leads. He goes through the Red Sea. He's part of the group that is complaining about everything. Yet when 12 spies were chosen to go into the promised land, right, what God had promised, the only two that had a good report and said, let's go now, right, we can go right now and take it, were Joshua and another man named Caleb. Yet everybody else decided and cried and didn't want to do it. And so God made sure then that none of those generation would enter the promised land Moses wouldn't enter the promised land. That entire generation would, would die except for Joshua and Caleb. So here we are with Joshua. He wanders with them for 40 years, right? He's part of that watching people die off. And yet one of the things that Joshua is going to face, he's going to have more battles in the promised land than in the land what we could call disobedience. That doesn't make sense, does it? Promised land should be easy. It's the promised land, but he's got more battles. The very first battle, most of us know the Battle of Jericho. They really don't fight at all. They march, they blow trumpets, they break jars, and the walls come down. Wow, the spoil is for the Lord. We know Ai, he probably thought the same thing. Watch what God's going to do. Well, but there's some, I'll call him a clown. How about that? That's a nice way to say it, right? Some clown decides to take some of the spoils instead of it returning to the Lord. He hides it, thinking that God won't see. Here's Joshua's one big challenge. But it's interesting, before the for then, God wants him to meditate the word day and night. Joshua's a warrior. He's been already battle-tested. He's fought, but God wants him to be strong and courageous, but be in the word interesting in our reading that as God reminds him of the promise, he also first said, I want you to meditate the word of God. You know, God is the ultimate promise keeper. When we read his word, which the Bible says is God breathed, you know, the very next step, we got to obey what it says. We got to obey. We want to see his promises come back. We have to obey what he says and he wants us wholeheartedly devoted to him before then so it starts with me so i want to go to joshua chapter 24 turn there with me and i want to read these verses to you this really is the end of joshua's life he's led them through all these battles he's led them into the promised land He's given them uh, spoils. He's followed exactly what God has said. But we read this in Joshua 24, and I want to read this in verse 13 through 15. And here's what he says to the people that God has said. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them, and you eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the other gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Everybody say that with me. Serve the Lord. 
And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now here's where he makes it personal. But as for me and my house, we, I, will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It's kind of, when you think about it, the generation dies out that did not believe, complained, everything. The new generation comes in the promised land. They see the battles that the Lord's done. They, they've actually been part of fighting these battles and watch what God's done. If you go up to verse 12, God drove out a whole bunch of people with hornets. How many of you like bees? Does anybody freak out when you see a bee? Like, I, like everybody, they start waving at them. Like, no, 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 don't do that, right? That gets them ticked off, and then they're coming for you. Just leave them alone. But I tell you what, a swarm of bees coming at you, God drives out a whole people with a bunch of hornets. They've seen these things. But here's what we know. There's still a little bit of Egypt on the inside of them. That's what we heard from the other generation. Oh, if we could just be in Egypt. Right? If we could just eat the fish, the cucumbers. But there's still a little bit of Egypt. And Joshua knows that his time is coming short. It's time for everyone to choose. And he wants the Egypt out of them. In fact, we read that verse, let me put that one back up on the screen, where he makes this now completely personal for him. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says it started with him. We have to say today it starts with me. Now, when we think of our household, all households are different, right? You could be grandma raising grandkids. You could be a guardian raising kids. You could be a dad raising kids, mom raising kids. All of our households are different. But what Joshua says at the end of the day, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, some people think, just like the children, they can do it on their own, right? We can figure this out on our own. We don't need to serve the Lord. And I like what James writes down for, and it's important for all of us to remember James chapter 1, 17 and 18. And he says this, every good and perfect gift is what? It's from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every gift comes from above, right? Everything's from above. You and I can't do this on our own. I'm my own man. No, you're not. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Here's what Joshua knows. The benefits that come with the promises of God require a submission and service to him. Allow those words that he has to breathe life into us, but here's the, we have to obey it, right? The Bible's not suggestive reading, is it? Oh yeah, I don't have to do that. I don't do that. Michelle can do that. Maverick can do that one for sure. Yeah, I'll do that one. I like that one. No, it's not a suggestion. It's how God does things. 
And so Joshua makes it very personal. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. Now, we just read three kind of simple things, and he uses these words. Fear the Lord. Throw away other gods. Now, you and I may not have a god of some idol or something else that worship, but anything that comes in the way of him being first can become a god. Put away the other gods. Serve the Lord faithfully. So he mentions those three things. Isn't it interesting? Doesn't it seem like uh, back in his time, it's the exact same in our time? There's constantly a choose, choose, make a choice. Abraham got called out, and it was the same thing. They were serving other gods on the other side of the river, but he had to follow a god that he did not know. But he followed God, and God was faithful. Interesting when we think of our, our own households, too, whether kids or grandkids or maybe some of you great-grandkids. Kids learn to eat, talk, walk, think, react, and respond just like who? Us in the house. Ooh. Have your kids ever said anything and you thought, where did you, oh, I said that before. They got it from me. Mannerisms, the way that we talk. Have I been directing them to him? Have I been directing them? Because as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Our kids, you know, being pastors, you know, we've never, we've never made them come to church. I don't think, have we ever made, like, we've never, like, right, they, they, they've just come. Um, my mom made me go to church. I don't care if you were out all night long, you were going to church in the morning, you know, it didn't matter. We, we haven't made them go to church. And probably part of that is, though they've chosen, they've followed those things because we've done it. Well, you say, you have to be here. I know, I heard that story one time this uh, guy was waking up early in the morning. And he was telling, him, ah, Sunday morning, I'm not going to get up today. I'm just, I'm too tired. I was out Saturday night. We just had, we've had so much going on. And she says, you're the pastor. You have to go. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> your pastor doesn't make it any easier. Right? In fact, if you probably sat with my kids and asked them, you'd find out all the mistakes and things that we've done. But I'll give you a natural one. Back in, back, uh, I'll date myself. Back in 1999, I know, this might sound weird to you, I know the Lord put on me to stop drinking soda, 1999. And it happened to be because we were directing camp in uh, North Carolina. It was always humid. And it was always some type of diet soda. Every picture, it seemed like that summer camp, I'm going through hundreds of pictures and I've got like a diet drink. Every picture. Diet Dr. Pepper, Diet Coke. And it was just this thing on me to quit. I still drank iced tea, I still drank coffee, but I remember that I was going through these like terrible shakes and headaches, and I asked a, a nurse friend of ours, and I said, am I coming off of caffeine? She says, no, 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 because you drink coffee, you're coming off chemicals. Now, I used to go buy a two liter bottle and I would drink that with dinner. Right? Some of you might, now, that's okay for you, it was just something that, that I couldn't do, so I was pretty much iced tea. Very interesting that my kids really don't drink soda. You know what my kids drink? Iced tea, coffee, and water. Why is that? Well, because I don't have it in the house. I took some 
pure leaf tea to my dropped off for my son. At college, they call him the old man because he drinks pure leaf iced tea, right? He's not drinking Red Bull, or they call him the old man. You're the old man drinking iced tea. Why do they do that? Because I do. Now, that's something natural. Now, let's jump over to what Joshua is saying. It was as for me in my house. It's interesting in the book of Proverbs, if you go through 27 times, 27 times, uh, Solomon refers to interaction with David and Bathsheba, and they'll call him my son. Go through it 27 times. The phrase my son means builder of the family name. Builder of the family name. You know, and, and we know that the boys keep the name, right, of the family, and the girls take the name of the husband. But even if you only have daughters, let's go back and say they're still building the heritage of faith from your family. You know, we think of all different, we're in all different family circumstances. You might be the only one in your household that is trusting and believing God. Well, you know what? It starts with me. You might be the only one, and when you get your grandkids, that you're teaching them about God, planting things about God, but it starts with you. Your kids might be older now, and they might have moved out and moved on, and they're doing other things, but here's the thing. They're still watching the things that you do how you respond and that's why we go back to what the Lord says and following the Lord because what have I been directing them to do and there's nobody perfect all of us have made mistakes I'll share with you in my house my biggest struggle with the uh, ones in my household nobody will take out the trash <laughs> nobody takes out the trash and they'll pile it up on the trash can in the kitchen like, it's like, man, you guys are like Jenga experts. Like, I mean, it's hanging off. Why is it that I'm the only one? And I finally told him one night dinner, 27 steps. I just said that. 27 steps. What's 27 steps? 27 steps to our back door to the trash can. 27 <laughs> steps, right? Why can't anybody, like, so I go, I almost took a picture of it and put it up on the screen today. So I go, I was leaving the store. Somebody took the trash out but left it in the trash liner and sat it by the door <laughs> expecting me to take it out. Right? I'm not doing too good in my household with teaching them all to get trash. Every trash can. Oh, Dad will get it, right? Dad will get it. Dad'll, he loves it. He was supposed to be a trash man, but, you know, he's a pastor. We all have those, like, funny stories. But how does this work in your home? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We come back to him to remember we're going to fear the Lord. We're going to walk humbly before him. We're going to throw away other gods. We're going to serve the Lord faithfully. And because people in your family, they're watching. So I, I just thought, look, okay, Jesus. It's interesting what Jesus says. Um. I don't believe Jesus had a house. There's some people that teach Jesus had a house. Jesus did say to the disciples at one point, where are you staying? And he said, come with me, I'll show you. He may have, he may have inherited the house as the oldest son if Joshua had passed away at that time. But Jesus knew at 30 years of age, he was going to be out and about. He wasn't going to be in some, some house. Jesus also said, they, he said he had nowhere to lay his head, right? It was either a rock or so. 
we don't see that Jesus really had a house. But he said when he saw those guys setting up the tables and selling stuff, he said, my father's house is a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. We read about that he took the tables and turned them over. I love that part of scripture because the Bible says he, he never sinned. How could he throw a table over and not sin? How could he build a whip and not sin, right? It wasn't, a, it wasn't attacking at an individual. It was the system. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. I go to prepare a place for you. When the veil of the temple ripped, uh, it wasn't the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in a temple made of hands. It was to dwell in a temple of flesh. In fact, I'll put this last verse up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 20. Apostle Paul puts this down. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The body becomes his house, right? His house. I allow him his house in my body. In my home, wherever it is that you live, allow that to be a place where you will say, "For as for me, in my house, we'll serve the Lord. We've heard story upon story of husbands praying for wives, wives praying for husbands, parents praying for kids, over and over and over again, and allowing them to watch God begin to move. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. Father, we thank you. It could be a dorm room, an apartment, a house, a motorhome, a rented room, a vehicle, a tent, wherever it is, that wherever our dwelling place is for now, Father, let our hearts say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We serve the Lord with love and graciousness. We thank you that his spirit is poured out upon us. We serve you, Father, by that meditation that we love your word. We love your word. We bless you. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it really is step number one. And really what you have to do in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, is to confess him as Lord and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you shall be saved. An eternal decision to make. If you've never prayed that before, in fact, we're all going to pray this together, but if you've never prayed that before or you're in a place that you're running from God, let today be a day that you run back to him that you set even your heart house in order. Everybody pray this with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
I open the door of my heart, and I make you Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, if you would. We're going to close with this song. If you prayed that today or are running back, please see us. The most important prayer. You know, last couple weeks, been doing some funerals. You know, eternity is so close, isn't it? It's so, so close. But eternity with Jesus is so, so close as well, too. Let's sing this song.